0: Houston, we are go for launch in T minus 30 seconds. Every day I become a better operator. Whatever it is, and it happens. Why? Because I don't take time off. We are green on all engines, sir. I only knew one way and I knew the right way. Initiating launch countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Start. Green, 2, 1, boost your ignition and
1: The Service Rocket Podcast has good liftoff.
0: Welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast, hosted by Victor, the Rocketman Rancor. Please enjoy the ride. Service Rocket Podcast, episode number three. Uh, This podcast is built and created to help you and your business uh, scale as quickly as possible and have to skip through some of the steps that I had to go going through business. Hope you guys enjoy every minute of it. Today's guest is someone that's special to our industry, special to me, someone that's changed a lot of businesses and helped a lot of people over the years. Uh, he's the industry's uncle. Mr. Uncle Joe, man, thanks for coming
1: on. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Victor. Uh, definitely it's a high honor to be here and uh, a pleasure to help all the people who are viewing this. And I know you've helped so many uh, thousands of people yourself, and I'm really happy to see that our industry is in great hands with young uh energetic people like you uh taking taking the torch to the next level thank you so much for inviting me yeah
0: man it, it's 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 crazy because obviously when I got in the industry you know you were like uh everybody always talked about Uncle Joe and all this stuff and, and I didn't really know much about you I didn't really know the, the backstory and and to really think of truly and you've been doing this a long time now how many people you've impacted how many lives you've changed it's just it's not really comprehensible, right? Like if you really think about it, and you were doing this before social media, before, you know, before all this, and you were, you were still crushing it. You were going, you are going individual company by company. Now you're jumping into the digital age and you're able to help people on a mass scale. How have you thought, how has the industry kind of changed in that, in that light? And how has it made it easier for you to become or to help more people?
1: You know, it's funny. I started out in doing consulting. I had my own service business like you have here at Absolute and uh, sold it in 2001. I realized that training is what I wanted to do, but I realized that it wasn't as, pro- not quite as profitable or is not as much money in it as running my other company. But um, so I realized that uh, it was one-on-one, very similar to what Jason Walker does, going out and visiting people and things like that. And then in about 2007, we did a thing called the Hour of Sales Power, which is a podcast before podcasts. Uh, we just did it, streamed it on Ustream, which is just go. We wound up with like 30 to 50 people on it. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And so that turned into clients. And we realized that uh, a friend of mine, David Fry, told me, every time you talk to somebody, record an audio or video of it and put it on your website. And that's what you got to so say. I just start doing it. And so we look at our website today. Mm-hmm. Go back uh, to 2005 2007 when we started it you'll see stuff back there that's pretty janky <laughs> that, that is but it's pretty I, I have a hard time taking it down because that's how the foundation of i was built so i think um there's never been a time uh, i always tell all the contractors and people out there if you are not getting the information to grow your business and, and give yourself sanity both personally and professional that's on you because there's never been a time in history where the information is at your fingertips for free. Uh, and people will like you will just help people. If somebody calls you or they call me, we're just uh, in our heart, we're like, hey, our, our marketing is just like yours. You help people first. And then that creates a obligation that, well, I wanna get more of that. That's when they start to purchase, Makes sense? And that's what I try to do. I try to create value first, then let people make the purchase they're gonna make.
0: I think people, they're almost like scared to reach out. So like, I had a guy last night he messaged me in Messenger. I don't think he thought I was actually going to answer, but I answered right away in like seconds. He's like, "What the hell? You actually answered?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I want to help you." And he started telling me all these things going on. I was like, "Do you got a lot of things going on in your business?" I gave him some ideas and I said, "Look, you know, schedule my assistant tomorrow. Let's let's jump on a phone call." So, you know, these people are the people that are going to learn. They're going to grow. The people that are willing to step out of their comfort zone, ask questions. You know, a lot of people ask me what what's the key to my success. How did I go from less than seven and a half years ago? doing construction, not knowing any idea what HVAC was to where I'm at now is because I've asked more questions than everybody, and I found out whoever the hell the best was at that position or whatever I wanted to be at, I said, who's the best at it, how do I go talk to that guy, how do I get around him, how do I interact with him, you know, if I want to learn, if I want to service sales, you got to be hitting up Uncle Joe, you got to be figuring out what the heck is he doing, because obviously his customers are making a lot of money, every one of his customers talks about it, and you ask somebody, you ask them, who does your training, oh, we're, we're Uncle Joe's. we're a service MVP customer, right? And they say with pride, with pride because they've seen what it does in their business whether it's my training jason's training joe's training if you're taking your time and you're actually investing in your employees investing in your company not only your employees gonna enjoy it but you're going to enjoy it too because you're going to have the ability to make more money which is going to provide more money for other families and be able to grow your business so what you've done over those years joe you've paved the path for the rest of us we're all just kind of chasing you now even then you actually i feel like you've taken the, the digital age and you've you almost like revigorize your business. I mean, from the digital coaching, you guys have an online platform, you have sales training platforms. You're able to do Zoom trainings and all this stuff. I feel like you've almost you're already ahead of most of us now, just because you built such a great team on. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: It it, it definitely took a lot of time, but you know, I will give you a uh, it's a full circle, Victor. Um, you might say that I kind of started paving some of the path, but there's people before me who paved that path too. Uh, and I have to give credit to those people, like you know Frank Blau doc rusk there's a lot of people back in the history that don't get credit they're, they're gone they're meant you know, people don't really hear about some of the you know george brazil you know we still people like that have uh, paved the way maurice mayo from san diego so many people i can think of that were uh, gave me the path to get there truthfully here's the thing i look at it. people ask me like don't you get upset when you see victor rancour or jason walker i'm like hell no i'm like you I'm I'm a learner, and I never stopped learning. So when I see Victor Rancour do something, I'm like, "Shit, look what he's doing, guys!" I, I tell my team, "We got to get our game up." I mean, the biggest motivation is seeing Jason Walker go out there and kill it with his things, or you do it with your thing. And that's like, you know, uh, we got to we got to get out of bed every day and get our shit together. And uh, and that's why whatever the lesson I want everybody here to think about today is. When you see your competitors bragging about how good they're doing, there's a lot of talk about how people brag on Facebook about everybody says how great they're doing, right? Well, there's two things you can say about that. You can choose an area of negativity and say, you know, F that guy. He just bragging about himself and you start going into a shell and you retreat into a shell or you can say, you know what? I should reach out and talk to that guy because he's a competitor and I should see what he's doing. I bet he would talk to me and have coffee or lunch or something like that and that's what i don't think people realize that the guy who you hate yeah. if you actually went and knocked on his door and said hi he'd probably fucking well, take take you under like, his wing right you know what i'm saying they, something. Lot, right? I
0: mean, they went on they spent the whole movie you know trying to hop over the fence and figure out a way to trick them and trick <laughs> the dog and and they finally fucking get over the fence and the dog's chasing him and they chase him all the way back home and the dog licks him in the face right <laughs> and it's the same concept right and the same thing happened with you know episode number one with ishmael right me and ishmael ishmael was that bull on the other side of the fence and i was trying to get on i was trying to get what he had and instead of you know going about it away and talking to him and figuring out what we can do to work together and have some agreements we went the opposite way and decided to fight each other and went three years of us fighting each other i almost went broke trying to keep up with him said he had you he had more money more power at the time and i'm trying to keep up with him and almost me out of business rather than asking hey what do you do with my size and try to get up to that way right so it's the same thing anytime you can you can get in the room and you've seen you know we were up at jason's uh, event a couple months ago know uh, me joe and jason all at the same event all speaking and we're all the same thing we're just trying to help people and I think that's where I've kind of transitioned now, kind of stepping back a lot from the training. I'm not doing the traveling, I'm not doing that stuff. I refer everybody out to you guys because I know they're in good hands, and I know they're going to treat them good. But one of the things, I feel like we always talk about sales training with you, Joe, and I think that's one of the things that people forget on, in, in your business, that you have a whole other side of your business. Because sales is one thing, right? But if your operations in your business aren't in. it, your call center's not dialed in, your operations, your install, whatever it is, if that stuff's not isn't dialed in, it doesn't matter how much you sell, you, can, you can't do it the right way. So you want to kind of dive in on what you're doing with that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, first of all, I think uh, what excites me when I see excited is when I see these companies out there, like, you know, the G company that you uh, now are part part ownership of and, and Absolute Airflow and next gen. I, I look at it like this. I look at it like, what i happen to know is that there's two kinds of companies companies that are um are sales focused i call sales culture company and one that is operation culture the operation culture is something that basically everybody's a slave to the operation now we built the best system that nobody ever used because nobody sold anything right yeah uh people have to understand this there's a there's a hierarchy to a company uh You have marketing and image and branding at the top. That's why Dan Antonelli is so important to every like every time I see somebody who's got some janky logo or uh, I'm like, dude, you got to upgrade. You got to wipe that shit up and clean it up. Right. And then I'm like, number two is if you market before the doorbell rings, you got to be able to sell after the doorbell So sales is number two after marketing and branding. And then operation serves at the pleasure of sales whereas some company and then financial is at the bottom they're the ones who are just giving you the numbers like a scoreboard operator right so many times when i go to dysfunctional companies the operation guy is at the top or the, even worse the financial person who's at the bottom of the organization winds up being at the top making decisions they never sold anything they never they never created anything they're just overhead anytime you have somebody who is overhead in your company. At the top, making decisions on how you're gonna do things, your company's in trouble. And I always say, like, when I saw Absolute Era, what you do, yeah. when I see NextGen, I'm like, I know that no matter what challenge happens, you're gonna be able to make enough revenue to, to get yourself it. out of it. You know, that, 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 it's, it's what's what the difference between like Sky Services when Travis's dad owned it, it was an operation company, not a sales company, not a sales culture. So when Travis took it over, he became a sales culture, and Travis told me this. He goes, the difference between me and my dad is I'm able to make mistakes and sell my way out of it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm able to make the revenue that – I'm able to make waste thousands of dollars trying to do a marketing thing. that didn't work, but finding that, okay, get rid of that and now do things yeah. that do work. Uh, because the money and the revenue is the engine that allows us to make mistakes and come back from it if we don't have that sales machine working at the top of the chain, uh, nothing works. So the operation I'm talking about, if I say the process, it starts with uh, the promise that the brand is making. Then you have to execute what the brand is promising in your sales. Probably got to reflect that. And then number three, the operation has to serve at the pleasure of what's happening there. So it's not like Hey, we can't sell that kind of an air cleaner. It's like, dude, that's the kind of air cleaner we're selling. So you better learn how to install it. That's the challenge is like, Hey, we don't sell water purifiers. We could had halo, right? Uh, I saw you training halo. It's like, Oh, we're not plumbers. It's like, we're fucking going to learn how to sell it. That's, that's that's the conversation. I asked
0: when Glenn was here with, with halo and, and, heard certainly say it plenty of times before, like we're a sales and marketing organization that happens to do heating and air. We happen to do plumbing, but at the foremost, we are a sales and marketing company. That is it. And that's every organization. If you lead with the idea, a lot of people are so scared of the word sales, right? Hey, you, yeah, you stop what you're doing right now and go to servicerocketnetwork.com and get signed up for the Service Rocket Grow Summit. Join me and some of the best owners and operators in the country, including Ishmael Valdez, Wyatt Hempworth, Tommy Mello. On top of that, I have some of the best public speakers in the world that are going to join us. And, and when you lead with your whole business is a sales organization, and obviously you got to bring in high-level customer service and all those things, but you have to sell first. Like mm-hmm. I had a new, a new guy that was in my meeting yesterday, and he's like, And, you know, my sales meetings, I'm, I'm, you know, my background is sales and I like, I go into very detail on how we do things, why we do it. And then, and obviously I'm expecting sales, right? My sales meetings are like, Hey, we need to get some fucking numbers on the board. Right. And he's like, man, I felt like I was in the Wolf of Wall Street yesterday, but I was like, you know, that's our mentality here. Like, but we are, we provide high level customer service every single call we have Google, our reviews are where they're at because we don't we don't cut corners. if you do things the right way but we're going to sell at a high high volume we're going to sell it we're going to sell at a high ticket and we're going to sell it at, at a high percentage right and but, get that down
1: you know uh here's what i'd say there uh sell uh, uh, operational culture organizations are based on the past what our grandfather father did and what we did before uh sales culture organizations are focused on the present and the future. And that's the best way I can put it there. Hey, we can't change it because Miriam has worked here for 20 years. She won't change. Uh, that's, you're looking at the past. You're not yeah. looking at the present and the future. Um, so with that being said, the process that marries the sales to the operation so that everybody who even does installs, the guy who delivers parts, realizes that he's part of the brand. He's part of the sales process as well. He's, he's the execution. Yeah, of the process. So uh, if you have a sales culture, every single don't, don't ever say like, oh, my installers don't need to be in this meeting because they just do installs. It's like, dude, these people are communicating with your client at a level that we promised them to communicate. We promised that these guys are going to communicate. Yeah. We got to make sure they learn how to communicate at the same level we promised. And so the sale, uh, the installer is just a critical part of the sale, which is the execution of the sale. And a lot of people forget that the process <clears throat> has got to be designed around uh, what the, are we
0: honoring the brand promise in the very beginning? That's why that brand is such an important factor. There, well, the, one know? of the things, you know, I talk about it in a lot of my, you know, our meetings and stuff is is really as a business as a whole. Put yourself; you have to reverse engineer everything from the customer's point of view, right? And I think a lot of companies. They they talk about oh this is how we do things how we do things well what is the customer thinking what is the customer thinking from the outside when they see your business when they see my truck do they look at they think I'm a hundred million dollar company or they think I'm a, a you know a, a new chuck in the truck well they think I'm a hundred million dollar company so a lot of people in my in my area I'm, we're about to hit four years in business people always think that we're some giant franchise or big corporation or something like that and I'm like no we're just a family run operation that's been in business for four years but you wouldn't tell that from my operation. Well, my guy shows up with doormats, he shows up with uniforms, he shows up, you know, with booties, he shows up on time, nice wrap truck, fully stuck, all this stuff. That's the stuff that's going to separate you guys. So if you guys are starting out and you guys are looking at how do I grow my business? How do I do it? Well, guess what? From day one, when I started my business and my brother's here with me is my employee number one. Day one, I said, we are going to look like a company that is more expensive and we are mm-hmm. going to charge what expensive companies charge day one. A lot, of, a lot of technicians, you know, that had entrepreneurial seizures and become business owners they want to be Superman. I'm going to be Superman. I'm going to save everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be undercutting prices. Those, those other guys are ripoffs. Well, guess what? You're never going to be able to grow out of that one person because you're charging what it costs to run one person's life. Can, right. you, really, can you elaborate on a bit of it? Because obviously you're really big on building packages that are going to be obviously profitable for the company. Talk about pricing yourself, right? And making sure that you're, you're making enough money to be able to have the nice things. I know when I first talked to you, Joe, You said, I'd go into a company and I'd see a company with the uniforms are torn, the truck wraps are old, all this stuff. And you knew right away that company wasn't making money. So you want to kind of talk about how important it is to price yourself right so you can actually provide the stuff they need? Well, you know, profit,
1: it's an honor to make profit because it helps us serve the employees, the customers, our vendors, and ourselves. Don't forget us. So when we're putting an investment in this as the owners of a company, you deserve to get that return on investment. So everybody uh, has a stake in it. The service business, people who I laugh at best practice groups that try to get efficiency out of an organization. Uh, get it through your head. There's no. This is the most inefficient fucking business that exists on the entire planet. Uh, you're taking rolling warehouses with people who are just barely know how to drive these trucks, would not barely know how to communicate. Out there trying to diagnose systems where anything could be wrong, it's like taking a car mechanic and bringing him out to your house and try to fix your car, uh, and then try to keep the schedule full, keep the, uh, the m- amount of people staffed with the amount of calls they need. Uh, so many problems that are coming at us, and once it all, once the process—that's why process, like what Michael Gerber talks about in the myth, or what you have done here, the process is important because you can't just do it one day. It's got to happen every single day of the year, and uh, and pricing yourself, you have to you have to stop trying to. I mean, efficiency is something. Listen, everything I would say this overhead will never go down. So whatever your overhead is, stop trying to save money on your overhead because you didn't buy all that shit, uh, copy machines and everything else you got that uh, duck 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 machines and things like that. Um, you didn't buy it <clears throat> because you didn't need it. You bought it because you saw opportunity in getting it. Once you got it. Now it's like we have to price that inefficiency of travel time, talk time, the the carpets, the uniforms, the wraps. It's all going to be built into the process, and it's got to be built into the price. All those things. So when somebody says like, "Hey, how much does it cost for your parts?" I'd be like, "Well, I'm hesitant to even talk tell you that because that's like five percent of your experience." Uh, when somebody answered the phone, when you saw this, when you saw our ad, that was something you paid for. When somebody answers the phone, you pay for it. The dispatcher, the software, the insurance guy makes 20% of everything we do. <sighs> uh, so uh, all this stuff has got to be built into it. In a way, your service people and sales people have got to be ready to give customers and consumers sort of like a business class in about 30 seconds.
0: That, that's, that, that's, they got to be able to this, say what this, it fix to do this. What you know? Joe just said is is something that I preach like daily in my business. You need to be communicating with your employees what goes in, what is going on in behind the scenes that costs that part to cost what it does, right? Because everybody gets nervous out there that, oh, my God, I'm charging. You know, we charge, and and I'll say we charge $850 for a capacitor, okay? Why do I charge $850 for a capacitor? Because I know that's how much money. I know I'm going to make money on that capacitor if I charge $850. If I charge anything less, I have to cut something out. Right. I want to be able to run a five star business and to run a five star business, I have to charge a certain amount every single day. And everything that we price is all built off of off of a uh, off of a um, pricing chart. Right. That helps me build it because I know I, exactly how much profit I want to make. And a lot of people are so scared to make a profit. They would rather lose money and go out there and, and be nice to the customer and save them that day. And they'd rather go home broke. And I'm the opposite. Our number one core value in my business is profit. It literally it starts with profit. Everything else is, is going to come down from there. And once you guys realize what it really costs to run that business or run that call, you're not going to be shy about spending the $850 in, in, in that, in that, on that capacitor. My guys will be able to tell you, Hey, look, you know, when we called in, did you, did someone answer the phone right away? Well, yeah. Were we able to get someone out there right away? Well, yeah, you came out the same day. Perfect. Did I show up with a truck, fully wrapped uniforms, parts, everything fully stocked? Well, yeah. Did I have all my tools? Yes. Okay. When I got here, did I, did I stay did, I, did I seem professional when I trained correctly? Well, Yeah. All that stuff costs money. So if you want to cut any of that stuff out, we can get down to the price you want. But at the end of the day, you're paying for the service. And Joe preaches that day in and day out as a service first. But my guys, if you ask him, if you tell them, hey, that's too expensive. Within a half a second, they're already going into why why we charge what we charge and why, and why it's worth it to spend that money. And if, you're, if you guys aren't confident in saying that, they're never going to be able to sell at a higher price.
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, it's really, really simple. <clears throat> Just go back and look at what all your costs are. Uh and, a current, and just make sure you got it for the whole year. Uh, take a look at all the amount of payroll you're going to get and all the things there and then say here's the cost of doing business now we're going to make a profit. We have to uh, uh, we have to make sure we divide that total expense by the amount of profit the reciprocal of the profit we're trying to get. So now you come up with like to me it's you get, I make I try to go for 30 uh, 35 to 32 percent net profit before taxes, which equals about 25 percent net after taxes to do that it takes a lot of courage because a lot of people won't get to the other side of the mountain with you who are who are more in tune with op, with with um, the operational aspect of it as opposed to the sales aspect of it right so you can always tell when somebody's dragging the organization down because they are uh, they're foc- they're focused on doing things but the things the activities are not accomplishment they're not focused on those so there are people like that who are toxic inside the company who are very nice that's the bad part people who are extremely nice and you would invite them to dinner with your mom and dad yeah but they just are not going to be there for profit they're not they're not
0: they're not tuned in to uh making a profit yeah and and I've you know obviously running a business now and and business is always evolving so like the business you have today is not going to be the business you have in three years two years even one year right and it's because it's always evolving And those people that are in that business are going to evolve too. Right. And some of those guys that, you know, I think one of the hardest things is looking at a guy that's been with you for a couple of years and realizing he's not the one. And a lot of business owners, what they'll do instead of replacing that one is they will add another person to go do other stuff that the other guy won't do. And now we have two people doing the job that we should have only had one. And we're so scared. Keep in mind, guys, you own this business. You risk your entire life, your entire livelihood day in and day out for this business, and you're held hostage by a person that won't follow what you're asking. It's your business. And this is something I I preach a lot in our webinars and stuff is that if you feel you go into a business and you don't like being around somebody, you don't like that person, or you don't feel like they're the right person on the team. If you even have that half a second feeling, that person shouldn't be on the boat anymore. You got to be able to know how to cut bait i say t- you know you gotta take that dog out back and shoot it in the head. It's just oh, part oh, of the deal.
1: Or, or or before you shoot him though, but give, give him a chance. Yeah, here. give him a chance, so, so, right? So here, so here it is. Oh, here, here, wait, wait,
0: here, I, here, I here, went straight there. to murder. Joe's Uncle, <laughs> uncle's gonna calm it down. Okay, I I like this. I got to the guillotine people. out of shit already. I'm like <laughs> dead man walking. Dead man walking. Well, here's what here's
1: what I say though. It's like when people. The, you, there's the kiss of death you've heard this so many times too I, I get people hey we got here's what we got to do to get the training done it's like people are like i don't know how do, how do you get your guys to do this they tell me they ask me and i'm like what else are you giving them to do beside this I, that's the point the question is you're the one giving people assignments to do things why are you giving them something else beside the thing you want them to do i said so if you want people to do stuff in your company you've designed a process you've done so that's in this part of what we'll talk about today i want to make sure we get this in is that we have to we have to uh design our design the experience we want for customers and then back backwards engineer everything else to fit around that process uh once we've done that we need to define it so that when you get a truck wrapped we know here's the process to get the truck right we call this company we tell them here's the here's the dimensions of the trucks here's the wrap we're going to use here's the art we're going to use here's the time frame where we bring it in this, here's how we bring it in. So there's a process to do everything. Uh, the lazy part about most people is they, they do these processes, but they don't document the process to create like a, a manual about how this company works. So when you have a new employee, a new employee has no clue because we did it before, but we can't remember what we told the last 10 people. So now we have that. So uh, prior, finding the process, quitting priorities like just bullet points about uh, benchmarks about each thing we do what's the in-home experience benchmarks this 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 and this uh we're going to say hello this way we're going to be diagnosing this way everybody's got their own little twists on it you got things a little different than i got it doesn't mean one thing's wrong or things better it just means uh that i approach it a little different and both things just two different things could still work Uh, but the problem is that if we don't document it we can't train new people to come in and do it that way and that's like when you did like the service hero app which is brilliant you did two things you gave value to the public but you also gave value to your team because in a way you documented with video about what that experience looks like when you're with your own people to give yeah. them give them the app and say watch these assignments and do that kind of thing yeah and i think like that it.
0: that was one of the things too is is you know just like you right we can't <clears throat> phone ourselves there's not going to be another victor i'm not going to have that but i, I want to be able to get documented because I, I think when i started my business i used to have this feeling that everybody thought the same way that i thought and i realized i think really fucked up like i'm just like man a million miles an hour there's not people like that so as a business owner as you get as you go along what happens is you start getting angry all the time because you think everybody's thinking the same way. You're thinking the same thing. You're all of a sudden you're pissed off all the time. You're firing people or you're whatever it is. And the, all your employees, if you really pay attention, they're screaming, "What do you fucking want? What do you want? Right, Tell right. me how you want it done. I'll do it." But we're screaming at them, "Why haven't you fucking done it?" That's it. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's like
1: uh, I always say this when people say to me, "Like Joe, how do you do all these videos and how do you do all these you know, Facebook posts and thing?" I said, "Well, you know, there's a dual purpose there." One is for the public and it's a marketing yeah. op- opportunity to get people to say, here's what I know. If you want to know more, come and see me. But the biggest thing is my own people reading those posts and going, that's what he wants. That's what- <laughs> this is- So they're, they're getting trained in my process of marketing. So that's where marketing is such an important factor because the marketing you do in a way teaches your own employees about how we do a tune up or how we do our process because you're promising that process in your marketing or when somebody answers the phone and that is something that needs to be documented. You can't just have 10 different people answering the phone in a different way. There's got to be a script uh, benchmarks to that script to make sure that it can sound a little different, but there's got to be things worth
0: are making a promise to the, those things. So technicians know we promise this and that's it. Well, you know, obviously <clears throat> in my business, our slogan since day one is if you're not absolutely happy, it's absolutely free. Right. And this is something a lot of people are like, What are you crazy? Like, we can't say that people are going to cheat you and do a lot. We haven't ran into a lot of cheating, but we yeah. have ran into is that customer that's not our customer. We're charging this much, they don't want to pay that much. And we go out there and we diagnose it, we do all this stuff. And my guys know if the customer says we're too expensive, we don't want to go forward, we're not charging them a diagnostic fee, we're not charging them anything. Hey, look, you're not 100% happy, we're not going to take your money, we don't want any money that's not happy and we found that we can still be high priced we don't get the bad reviews we say hey look we, we, i'll refer you to a cheaper company if that's the route you want to go here you go we're going to separate as friends because i promise to you we are going to leave happy when i leave here we're going to leave as friends we might not be the company for you if you go find someone else and you find that they're they don't they don't provide the level of service that we do and you want to do business with us let us know but a lot of people ask me all the time how can you charge so much and, and not get bad reviews it's because we when we leave there we're leaving there on a good note we're making sure that our promise to the customer if you're not absolutely happy, it's absolutely free. Same thing with our equipment. Everything that we do, before we leave there, we make that make sure that customer is happy. We also let them know you got to give us an opportunity to make you happy, right? It's not like, hey, day one, rip it out. No, give us an opportunity. If we can't make it right, I'll take it out. But I've never had to do it because we know that we, as a company, we know what we stand for and what we're going to do. We're going to provide the best installations, the best customer service, the best diagnosing, the best uh, call center, whatever it is. We're going to provide the best so we don't have those complaints. So if you guys are a company, and you guys, in a lot of companies are... In their head, hey, we'll give you 100% satisfaction guarantee, but they won't put it in writing for some reason. I'm like, I ask customers, I ask companies all the time, why won't you put a guarantee in writing? But if a customer called in tomorrow upset, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to make it right. So why won't you put that in writing to make that customer feel confident?
1: You're not doing something that you wouldn't do anyway. Yeah. You, you do here's the, here's the crime. Everybody's doing what you're promising, but they're afraid to promise it even though they do it. Uh, and here's, <laughs> here's the thing about it. What I love about what you just said there, <clears throat> to recap it, and I, think, I don't think it really gets enough balance or enough, uh, what you said there is brilliant. And I don't think it gets enough attention. I think you went through it so quick. I want to make sure people understand what you just heard there. You give people the freedom. The, your people are like a gatekeeper of opportunity in your company. And you're giving people in your company freedom to say, you know what? I don't think this customer is going to be our kind of customer you know what, here's a competitor you should use who'd be cheaper than us. If you're looking for that kind of a person, that would be there. So I think a lot of people don't realize that, uh, sometimes people hear me and they're like, you're telling people to use another company. It's like, dude, number one, we have a a process and a customer service experience. If some customers don't want that experience, they want a different, like do-it-yourself experience. You can just tell them, listen, if you want to do it yourself, I have no problem with that. But you just got to do that without me. Do it yourself means do it yourself. Or doing it cheaper, uh, we're not going to be a good company here at Absolute Airflow if we do it cheaper. But we will do it better. You will have a more permanent solution. You're going to get better service. If you want that, we can help you there. So I think what you've done here, which is the most brilliant thing, which I think I hope I hope your people, it reverberates with them. And I think I hope everybody else hears this from you today, which is that you're giving your employees freedom to say. Here's the process we have. We know we're going to do this process. If the customer resists the process too much, we can try to convince them. But then eventually if they get to the point where they're not able to be convinced. You just say, you know what? Maybe it would just be better if you use somebody else. And so we don't waste, because here's how I look at it. The the biggest reason that salespeople fail is because they're unwilling to tell customers that, you know, I don't think we're going to be a good fit uh, based on what you're looking for me to do. You're looking for me to come out here give it the lowest price and email it to you. That's not that's not the process we use. Here's our process. We diagnose the system, we diagnose your family, we create premium mid-range economy solutions to fit your perfect needs. And then we give you the money interest-free to get the job done. If you're not interested in that, we should use somebody else, because uh, that's how we do it. So to give your employees permission, that's the big thing I want people to get, the big golden nugget from you. Give the Give your employees permission to say, you know what, I don't think it is a fit right now. They can maybe they have to call their manager before they do that. Hey, yeah. this is not David. It's not working with this guy. We think yeah, just get out of there because that guy sounds toxic. And uh, this yeah. could get out with our skin. Well, you'd that. be you surprised, surprised
0: how many times <clears throat> that you take it away from the customer and you say that. So I talk to sales guys all the time, and they're like, "Well, this guy wants this discount." And I said, "Look it, you know." And I and I've said this in the house, and and this one I don't suggest saying all the time because it takes some big balls to say it. And and I and I put in the sweat equity and the time with this mm-hmm. customer to say it. But I'm at the table, and the lady's like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I want the, chi- I want the cheapest guy." And I said, "Look, it." I literally packed up my stuff, I fold up my stuff, and I, you know, I've gone through a three-hour presentation. I've done all this stuff. I've done, I've crossed every T and dotted every I. And I said, "Look, it." I looked this customer straight in the eye. I said, "Look, it." Everybody needs to make a mistake once in their life, and it sounds like this is one, this is one that you're ready to make. Go ahead and give me a call if you ever need us in the future. But like I told you before, this is what it costs for us to run a five-star business and be in business ten years from now. I packed up my stuff and I walked out the door. And guess what that lady did? She chased me down you know she said okay let's go ahead and get it done you know what most sales guys would do they're calling and saying hey can i do it for that price well if you don't stand behind your price you don't believe in your in your price with conviction then you're never going to sell it at that price right you know i ran you know my guys my guys asked me to ride with them last week or last month i ran eight calls i sold two hundred forty thousand dollars. they said what the fuck like i remember all my other guys are having a hard time selling over twenty thousand. they just don't feel comfortable and i'm selling 30 40 i think i sold a sixty thousand dollar job and it's just that confidence that I believe in the product that we're offering. And I believe that we're the best company on the planet for them. And if you don't have that conviction or belief or the willingness to walk away, that customer is never going to believe you. A lot of time when a customer is telling you no, all they want you to do is resell them, right? They're saying, well, I, I got to think about it. Well, there's something they didn't they didn't like that you have to resell them or they say the price is high. When someone says the price is high, all that is is an observation. Just say, yes, the price is high, but this is why. Most com- most sales guys go the opposite. Well, let me see if I can discount. No, no. The reason it is this high is because X, Y, and Z. And you'll be when you do that, you'll find that the customer is more confident in you, and you're going to sell a hell of a lot more deals. But if you start scrambling when someone says the price is high, then they think you're a liar. You think you're a cheater. You're just trying to get one over on them. You know, I I do the
1: exact same thing you do. I even go further. I say. You know what uh, it sounds like you're about to make a big mistake so you're doing i say you're doing a really good job of buying a system that's not going to work really good that's you're doing a really good job of it that's your, if that's what you're trying to do doing a good job of that i tell people i said but if you're going to do that you got to do it without me okay i'm not going to provide i'm not going to provide that kind of service now here's what i'm going to tell you though don't be ashamed when it doesn't work out i'm going to give him my number and my phone number to call me my cell phone number directly you call me because here's what's going to happen you're gonna find that guy who's cheaper. He's gonna cut corners, and you're gonna be unhappy. Don't be afraid to call me back to inspect his work, and I'll tell you everything he did wrong. And don't be ashamed to do that because I know you're gonna feel bad, but just don't feel bad because you're my friend. Don't, don't, yeah, feel, don't but, feel bad about but it. it. So, but
0: the problem is when when Joe says this, right, and when I say it, there's things that go on before you can say things like this, right? And this is what I and part of the stuff I teach in my training is like. You got to put the equity in. You got it. The customer doesn't care how much you know until they they, they know how much. You, they don't care how much what's it what's it saying they don't know how much you care or know until they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care right that's it and you want to make sure that these customers you've done everything possible before you get to that point where you're saying that stuff because you have to earn the right to quote and you have to earn the right to say that kind of stuff because if you put the effort in then you then you've earned it in my opinion to be able to say what you feel but a lot of customers all, all it takes is that confidence in what you believe in and so many sales guys make the make the mistake they really think that customer just wants price But they wouldn't still be having a conversation with you if it was just price well like i said before in my in that facebook quote i just made last week make a friend before
1: you make a sale but here's the thing about it as a friend like this put this way it's easy to be a friend when things are going good and everybody agrees with what you're doing it's hard to be a friend when your friend is doing something that's toxic and hurting his family because a good friend would shoot straight with their friend and tell them hey listen if you're going to be involved with drugs or if you're going to be involved with crime or something like that, that's something you can do on your own. But, uh, and we can still be friends, but I just can't involve my family with your family anymore. Uh, because as a friend, I would be not, a, I wouldn't be a good friend if I didn't tell you that you need to get your act straightened out here. Right. Uh, cause a good friend will, uh, is invested in that relationship and, uh, Just like if you had a brother-in-law who was married to your sister who was an alcoholic, if you were a good brother-in-law, you would, in a friendly way, take him off to the side and tell him, "Listen, you're not you're not taking care of my sister. You're not taking care of yourself, mostly, and the kids that you have are going to pay this price." This is something that a real friend and a real family member, a real friend, does. So, friends are not friendship brings a burden of two things. One. Obviously, enjoy the good time because 90% of the time, we're going to have a great time as friends. Uh, But there's 10% of the time when I see something toxic and I want to make sure that I tell people that as a friend, um, I want to see you straighten out. I want to see you get better because I'm not here. I don't want to have a friend that's toxic and I have to apologize for. I want to have a friend that I can be proud of. Right. And so same with you and your customer. You give your friendship to your customer. Uh, Obviously, when everything is when they agree with everything you want to do, then God bless it's just a good sale. I just went, you know, and probably if you're confident, 80% of people are going to do that. There's 20% I call cement heads, they just got a different way of doing it. (laughs) And you got to be able to take them under your wing too and try to help them. And you might be able to help, you know, as many as, uh, you know, five to six percent more of those, but there's probably going to be 14% that. No matter what, uh, they just got a way of doing it and that's it. You got to be able to say no to those people yeah. in a way. You have to, like I said, everything else, give that friendship, diagnose the system, you're investing. And then they see the investment and then you're like, okay, now as a friend, I can't, we can't take away the money part of this job because if we do that, we're taking away from your family. Because that's what you got to tell people. It's not taking away from our price. It's taking away from the benefits your family is going to get if we did that. Makes I think sense?
0: one of the things I say, you know, I say <clears> even <throat> early in my calls, if I'm running, I said, look, I don't care if you go with anybody. I don't care if you go with me or anybody else. But when I leave here, I want you to be more educated than you were before. And then also, when you get the other quotes, give me an opportunity to go over them with you to make sure you're making the right choice for you and your family. Maybe it's not my company. Maybe it is. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure you make the right choice for you and your family. And when you tell it like that, that customer starts to trust you and like you. But I say it very often. I throw my hands up. I don't care if you go with me or somebody else, right? And the 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 big part is just building that trust with the customer, making them understand that you really truly care. And I think that's part of what you trained, Joe, is that you got to put service first. You got to put the customer first. You got to care about them. And once you do care about them, you'll see that you're obviously your your check your your sales are going to grow, your paychecks are going to grow, your business is going to grow. So beyond the sales part, Joe, um, you know you're an operator of a business. What do you think? You know, if you were to start a business today, what is something you would say to somebody? What where would you start at now? Knowing knowing what you know, you've been through all these companies. Where do you think you would start today? Like day one, what would be the first thing you would do?
1: I would uh, I would number one design the business first. I would design it and make uh, benchmark priorities. Like for instance, for customer service, I'd say uh, number one job is uh, is have your uh, have the scripts prepared. be able to follow your scripts number two answer the phone after you have your scripts so to be benchmark one have the script booked in front of you or on your on your computer screen so you can know what you're going to say when people answer the phone design it number two um let's make sure we now execute by answering the phone and following that script number three um if there's any customer concerns that come in we have a process for that follow the process uh, tell people, thank you for your concern. It's going to help our company get better. Let me go. You called the right person. I'm going to be, There's a script we have for that, right? So that's why scripts are so important for CSR because uh, people who don't document the communication we're going to make with our clients. Uh, let's put it this way. Technicians are a little different than the CSR. CSRs. CSRs, they're fluid. They're going to come and go a little bit more rapidly because they're, some people are just part time and something like that. So we, yeah. have to take, we have to take an like Michael Gerber said, take an average person and turn them into somebody who is very competent because we've given them the words. So there, there's a, there's the documentation of the process, the benchmarks, have the scripts, uh, follow the answer to call, following the here's how you do, here's I answer the phone, uh, here's how you use the phone system. Here's how we and you make these things like describe what we expect. out If it's slow, immediately make outbound calls uh, to get plan service on the board. So you see the schedule has only got uh, two uh, one call per tech. We need to get three to four. Well we somebody's got to start making outbound like immediately. The, whatever so forget about answering incoming calls, let's start making outbound ones because we're not getting any comments. So these are all things that you have to design for when things are going good and we're over, over overflowed make sure you prioritize the calls to reschedule some of them because you can't do them all. You're going to make some customers pissed off and get bad reviews again. So I would say this, um, every job has a design to do it right. Technicians uh, make the greeting a professional greeting. uh, Let people know what you're going to do. uh, You know, then tell them, here's our diet. We're going to diagnose. Here's a system of diagnosis. You should document that system of diagnosis. Shouldn't just be like this guy does it this way. This guy, the customer experience has got to be even. Uh, for everybody. It's going to be fair. So that's all customers want from us is fairness. Yeah. Like my neighbor got this for that price. I got that for that price. What doesn't make sense is that why did he get all that service for that price? And I got shit for this price, uh, same price. That's what doesn't make sense. So I always say that um, the price is irrelevant. Whatever you need to charge to make the profit, it's only going to be there if the customer service experience uh, supports that price and creates value at that price. But I think documenting, if I, if I started from scratch and i design it, I'd listen to people like you and listen to people like me who have already designed the business. I, and by the way, our design we had in 1996 or whatever is different than the process because of software. So the process changes. Yeah. You make a manual, it's only good for about a month. The next month, you got to change what is different. There's a new software, a different... Uh, You know, we have a company cam or something you're going to get, you know, something you're going to add into your business creates a whole new process. And and the tentacles change other people's jobs too, right? The people who are doing the project management have to find those photographs. That's got to change what they do. So one change in your company might equal three different people's processes changing. So somebody should be full-time invested in changing those processes, updating those processes, having them to begin with. But if you, I think every owner who's here right now could probably say, if I could do something, my dream would be to stop my business, redesign this shit, and then start it again. Yeah. And
0: I think that's, that's one thing Ken Goodrich talks about a lot, man. It's just making sure you have their processes dialed into where it doesn't matter who you plug into that position, they're going to still be able to be successful. And I think, you know, if I was to start over, you know, day one, obviously there's a lot of different things I would do. And that's some stuff I'm covering in my book that I'm releasing and. For uh, at my event, I'll be releasing my book, and it's going to cover everything I did when I started, and what I would do knowing now. You know, starting yeah, then, right? So I'm going to cover the shit I had to go through, and if I was to do it now, this is what I would have done to avoid that shit. And it's a lot, right? So you know, a lot of us we have entrepreneurial seizures. I had no plan on starting a business. I literally came up with the idea, and five days later, I have a business. I've never ran a business, never operated a business, never dealt with customers, didn't have a you know credit card processing machine. It was cash, it was a check or cash. It was paid directly to me. I didn't have anything in place. I didn't even have a license. And if I was to go tell myself today, you know, day one, I said, look, put a plan in place. If you guys are, if you guys know what your plan is to start a business, I have an employee right now, but he's going to start a business January 1st. And guess what? He came to me. He told me this, what he's going to do. And I'm teaching him exactly how to start his business. So he starts day one. It doesn't have to go through the shit I have to go through. A lot of business owners are so scared of their employees going to start in businesses and all this stuff. And I'm just not, because I know that it's going to take a special person to come compete with me. And it's a very special person. I know what it goes into it, but I truly want him to succeed. And I said, look, you know, if I was to start over, this is what I would do. So he's getting all these things in place. He's already working with Dan Antonelli. He's already doing this. He's already doing this. And he's planning to start his business. He's not starting in my market. So he's, I can, I have no problem helping him out, but he's going to start day one on a hundred miles ahead of a hundred miles ahead of where I was. Just because he asked the right questions and plan so if you guys are standing and started thinking like i'm going to start my business or you are just a single guy and you want to start expanding your business when you're not working sit down and draw out the perfect business Draw out what you want out of a business and then draw out what a if you're a customer what would you want out of a home service business and then try to figure out how those two can combine and then go make that happen right figure out what people you're going to need what you're going to need in place what kind of marketing you're going to need to do how are you going to market right you know because One of the things i always talk about with marketing is imagine yourself as a customer what is your what does your company make you feel like what does your advertising make you feel like you know i have some guys and they want you know flames on their shirt and all this stuff and I'm like dude that's not selling to women women don't care about that stuff women want something that's inviting and guess what 70% of the decisions now are made by women and not by men mm-hmm. so I would if I was a design business I would design it about how women would think right my wife's at home how would she feel when this guy showed up mm-hmm. and that's the kind of stuff I think <clears throat> about especially like your truck wraps and all this stuff it's just like uh, I think I've I saw with that I, was with a chili I, nipples one you see that one? I have a company in uh, Colorado
1: Smith uh, plumbing who uh, Mike, um, the guy, a friend of mine and Mike owns it. And he, he immediately made his wife, who is like a supermodel. She's really attractive. Made her the face of the company. He tra- All the trucks are painted pink. All the competitors hate the way that company looks and operates. All the customers love it. <laughs> love it. Yep. You know, so all the competitors are like, why does he do that? But, you know, so the thing is this, guys. You're not designing the company for yourself, what you like. You're designing it to what people like. But here's the thing about it. Process number one, number two, the skeleton of the process, which are priorities. Number three, write a few paragraphs as to what those, how we we execute those priorities, and then at the end of it, evaluate the financial outcomes of the process. Because the process you have, it it's possible it's flawed. You know that's the thing about it. We put this process in place. Pick a process, pick a lane, and do it. Document it, and then evaluate. Like I had a, on one of your, on the Service Rocket uh, group, the Facebook group, the guy had a plumber say, oh, we're plumbers. We don't do those kind of numbers. And I'm like, dude, uh, how many repipes? I mean, every time there's a leaking pipe, you should be offering a repipe. Every time there's a water heater, it could be a repipe. It could be water purification. It should be Wi-Fi Connect shut up. Though. I said, uh, if you're not getting $20,000 calls, the $30,000 calls as a plumber, that means you're just not your process is off. You're you're not diagnosing big enough. You're not you're not making solutions big enough. That's the process is wrong. I, I
0: got a buddy Jordan Bebe who's he's got a flying a jet and driving you know. Rolls Royces after four years of running a plumbing company. So to say that there's no money, the money's not in plumbing. It's not true. You're just not seeing where the money is. That's you're, you're not focusing. on And, where and so, the money
1: so is. evaluate the process. If you say, well, these guys, and that's why the transparency of like a Facebook. But I hate Facebook. Every says right. Truth is, that's the place where you get transparency in the marketplace. You're able to see like this guy brags forty five thousand dollars sale, and you're like, I've never had one of them. If you're saying to yourself, I've never had one of those. That guy is probably selling three or four of them a week, right? Uh, and routinely, twenty thousand is just happening like nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's like a that's like your two hundred and fifty dollar ticket. It's twenty thousand for that guy, right? You're saying don't now you have a choice. You can go negative and say that guy's ripping people off uh, because you're ignorant and you don't know. So now you blame the guy who's yeah. getting the result, as opposed to man, how could I get that result? Be positive and say what am I doing? When he has all these five these five star reviews and he's getting forty five thousand on a sale, uh, it doesn't. The customers don't lie. You can't you can't pay for that many reviews before Google will figure it out. Yeah. So if you got five star reviews and forty five thousand dollar sales, pay attention and say, you know what, my process is flawed. I need to find something else that's going to get me somewhere close to that because right now I'm at six thousand a sale or seven thousand a sale. And so evaluate. So so process. Document the priorities flesh it out and then evaluate if the evaluation says this ain't working the difference in you and ishmael and the guys who are killing it and and this was like joseph g the guy from the g up in atlanta yeah. you guys do they were a slave to the father's process yep when you got involved
0: and changed you, you old- fired
1: them up you're like shit why are we that's the past we're not dealing with the past we're dealing with the future and so they like all of a sudden got courage And they start changing things, and that's when the company blew up. That's the difference. So they they rapidly change it when the process isn't working. A lot of
0: people ask, you know, with with the G Brothers, right? And they're, you know, I'm super proud of those guys. They've grown a great business out there in, in Gainesville. And, you know, a lot of people like, we partnered with them, they didn't need the money. They didn't need anything that we brought to the table. They didn't even use it. They, all they needed was a new process, a new way of doing business. And when they changed the way they do business in that market, no one else is doing business the way that I do it. So he took what I do here in Absolute Airflow and they replicated it in Gainesville. All of a sudden their average ticket almost doubled. Their customers are happier. They're getting more reviews, they're growing. They rebranded with Dan all this stuff magically started happening just because they believed in what they were doing and believed in the process and change they were willing to change so many guys that they you know they say i want to do it i'm going to do it they said fuck you today every employee you sign this this is how we do business now and if you don't want to sign it you can get the hell out guess what they had five six employees that walked out you know what they had the next two weeks five, six, seven, eight, nine new employees that were willing to follow the process that they had. Just understand guys, you own the business. Mm-hmm. You put the, you put the risk out there. You, you get, you should get the reward. But when you run a business, you own a business and you just put your whole livelihood on online. If they don't want to follow your process, they don't want to do it the way you do it. Don't be scared to cut those people. Cause everybody's so scared. I can't find any more people. No, you cannot afford to keep that person. That's not going to follow your process. going to kill your culture and it's going to, it's going to kill the business. So. If you have that employee, and I, I talk a lot about this, and, and it sounds like an asshole, but there's always every <laughs> there's every fucking company, and I've been there. Every company has that one employee where you don't even like to be around. You come in and you tiptoe around your own fucking employee. I promise you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I would go in there tomorrow and fire him because I've done it. And when it's, I did it, it was fucking liberating. It's, it's, always said, your,
1: it's always your right-hand guy too, the guy who's like somehow – he thinks I'll do anything for you except for what you want him to do, right? Yeah. Okay. And,
0: and, and I'll tell you this, with the,
1: with the G story, um, I, I watched that over the beginning and the end. So you kind of taking them to the end over here. But truthfully, they started out with some best pre- watered down best practice stuff. To a certain degree, they started implementing that. Then they got involved with me and they're like, I don't think our people are ready for this. I'm like, listen, you got to get the courage to say this. You come in and say a second voice. Sometimes it's like waves on the ocean, right? Like." The first one comes in it's like, oh, a little bit, the next one comes a little bit more the next yeah. one. Comes, so sometimes it takes, that's why when people say, do I get uh, upset when I see like you working with a client or uh, Jason? I said, no, because every one of these things are like a ripple or a wave that kind of gets people to move that direction and washes the old shit away and pushes the new thing in well, place. Def- and I, I don't want, I just want the client to be.
0: To well, be you want to know something funny, okay. Joe, is that most people that hire me hire you then hire Jason, because guess why? They now have money.
1: They have money <laughs> right, to spend. Right.
0: They have money to invest, and they see it change. Like it's it's wild. The people that use Joe, we all share clients. We that's all share clients yeah, because it. at the end of the day, those clients make money. Wow, surprise! Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you, you actually do stuff. You do oper- You do things yeah. in your operation that make money. And yeah,
1: people ask me if you're like, well, should I should I get out of NextStar? It's like no. You, I mean, you well, should Gina. be able to. Should be able to afford NextStar. You, but go ahead and get EGIA if you want to get Service Roundtable, get Victor, get Jason, get because these are all these are these are engines. That are pushing your company toward profit and if you don't if you miss one of those cylinders uh somebody's got something in each one of those cylinders that are going to help you if you don't push it that direction now the same token is that sometimes it can't happen all at once like yeah. even the dan Antonelli thing first they had to make sure the operation got right now we can afford to change the rebrand and the rebrand is less risky when we're making money obviously oh, 100 100%, you know, 100%. well
0: mm-hmm. you know and that, that kind of brings us to the next thing so you know obviously we have our event coming up in october uh october 20th to 22nd I'm bringing all those people together. I got Joe there, Jason, me, you know, I can't, how do you spell, how do you say her name? The girl that works for Shreya. Shreya. Shreya is going to be speaking. All these different trainers are going to be there and we're all going to bring a different thing to the table and and, and give you, but the main goals as bringing all these people together is to give everybody a different opportunity, a different way to look at things, a different way to start viewing how they can run their business. And someone's going to find one of those is going to be the way they like it. Some people not might not be like me. I'm brash. I'm out loud. Like I'm a little wild. Joe might be more of your style. The younger guy, or so, you know, Jason might be more of that style. But you're gonna find something that fits within your business and something that your guys are gonna be able to find fall behind because you have to be able to sell it to your guys. And once they can, once they buy in, then it doesn't matter which one you like as long as it's working, going the right direction. And that's literally why I'm throwing this event. And people are like, "Why are you doing this?" I want to change the way that we do business in the in the industry. And I want everybody to come together. And I'm throwing this big ass event. And I was telling Joe, I was like, "If." You know, obviously, I I put out a lot of money on and on everything like that, but I don't really care about the money because when this thing is over, I'm gonna change the way this industry is. I want to make this industry exciting. I want to pull everybody together. I want to be able to have this red carpet treatment. You know, I feel like our industry is for so long has been, you know, the 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 blue collar you know, behind the scenes, but no, we have to change the way we think we should, we are, we have private equity coming into this. We have this big opportunity in front of us and we have to seize it and start showing up and pretending like, no, we are the red carpet people. We are the people that people want to be like now. And the trades are coming together and the trades are going to be the future of where people are going to be looking for jobs. And that's what my event's going to be about. So I'm pretty excited about having you on well, the stage. I,
1: I agree with you. And I, I think every company with this much information at your fingertips in one event, if you don't come to it, you got to have a screw loose, uh, seriously, uh, just to play, be plain spoken about it. Uh, I'm see, i I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I told you before I said I blocked off the whole week because I intend to get there early and get to see people in the hall. Because, you know, 90% of what you get from something like this is between the time the seminars are and things like that. Yeah. You're gonna, you get the stuff on the stage and stuff like that, but after when we're sitting around talking at a round table with a beer or, a, or bourbon, in my case... Um, which I'm open to any bourbon people want to buy me. I you have know, a <laughs> limit, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but I will a cigar and bourbon is always welcome. But uh, you know you have a chance to meet and network with people. That's where the opportunity is here uh, to not just have the people and the speakers, but each other that you've seen for so many months on Facebook and to, to get together and see what's real and what's a mirage, right? Um, and I would say this: I would recommend that anybody who is looking to take here's what I say. With the private equity and things, there's so much of that coming into this business now. Um, every business owner, even if you're a startup to experienced businesses, needs to position to sell themselves because you are selling yourself, regardless of whether you sell it to a private equity firm or you yourself buy the business yourself. Every day you're buying your business, so either you sell it, you you like you did. You create. You got back back here to absolute airflow. You can't. You come. You come back yeah. home. And you're like, okay, I'm buying this business again. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm. I got to make sure that it's worthy for me to run. Yeah. I'm buying it every day. You're buying this. You're paying money to employees to vendors. You're paying for this business and also making a profit, or you're selling it. You're selling it to yourself, or you're selling it to a different a private equity or whatever. You should be in a position to say if something happens to you it's good for private equity, or if I want to keep it for generations, I'm selling it to my grandson or to selling it to my son, right? If you got you got your daughter, I've seen, she's so beautiful.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, you can't not look at her without smiling. Yeah. She is so amazing. And uh, I love uh, the effort you're making. I know that a lot of the things you've done have taken you away from your family, yeah. but I know that getting back to there is something that is something that's needed, right? Because we all need to have that centering point. But the truth is that that might be some. This might be something that she's going to get. You yep. want to make sure you're you're selling this to her in a way. Uh, she's got to be able to say, "Oh my God, I get this. This is so amazing. It's so nice." As opposed to, "Why did I get this shit show you gave me?" Yeah. <laughs> right. So either. You're leaving it that way, or you're going to sell it to the private equity people. And if you try, if you have a shitty business, try and sell it to private equity. It'll be predatory. They're going to wind up taking advantage yeah. of you because you're desperate. Make because
0: you got to you got to build the business like you're, like you're going to own it. You know, obviously, you want to build it to be able to sell it, but you have to build it like you're going to operate it. And that's some of the stuff we're going to teach at the event. So I have some of. If you guys understand who we have in the room, obviously. You know, I've. You guys saw it yesterday. announced we got a four-time Super Bowl champion, Joe Montana, is going to be there, and I brought him in there just because you know you guys deserve to have something special. You guys be able to take some photos with him, hear from Joe, meet with him, stuff like. I know, I know, Uncle Joe's over here, excited about it, uh, but I got Ed Milet, who's one of the best motivational speakers in the in the world. If you've never read one of his books, like every meet every uh, training that he does, pretty much everyone says they walk out of the room crying. I got Ryan Steumann who's built this, you know, I think it's almost a $30 million training organization that helps business owners get to the next level. Uh, Bradley is one of the top sales trainers in the country. Uh, And then on top of that, we have Tommy Mello, Ishmael Valdez, Wyatt Hempworth, who's built an amazing business over there, uh, any hour services in Utah. And now they're expanding nationwide. Uh, Some of the best women in the industry, Ellen Rohr is going to be speaking from Zoom drain. Just the amount of talent that's going to be on the stage is insane. But the, for me, if you've never been to one of my events or you didn't get to come last year, I don't, it's not just the event. It's like, it's a different thing. I don't do it like an old trade show. There's nothing boring. There's going to, it's going to be exciting the entire time. But then I throw a big after party. So I have a big white type uh black tie event that in the first night, I'm going to have a live performance. I got a live band playing some beautiful music. I'll have a cigar rollers. I'll have this whole VIP treatment for you guys. We'll be able to interact with all the speakers and all the guests that are there. And then the following night, we have a Halloween party where I have DJ Pauly, Pauly D, I think his name, from the mm-hmm. Jersey Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore, guys, Pauly D is going to be DJing the second night uh, for a Halloween party. So come dress up, have a great time, come interact. So I don't just throw just the speaking events, not just the speaking engagement. I'm throwing big-ass parties. I'm spending a hell of a lot of money. I'm over a million dollars on the event already because I want to just change the way we think about home services. I want to make this industry exciting, and I'm going to create something where people are going to want to come into this industry. The young guys are getting out of school. They're going to start seeing all the social media stuff and seeing the things that we're doing in the trades, and they're going to come wanting to work for you we're going to change that the whole demographic that no one wants to come work to where people are begging to come work in the trades. And that's kind of what my future goal is. And what I kind of see is my position in this industry going forward. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to have you there, Joe. Uh, Hopefully everybody that, you know, is listening to this podcast is going to attend the event. Uh, Tickets are going to be sold out uh, before the event happens. Also the room block is just about sold out already. So if you guys are trying to stay at resort world, go ahead and get your tickets now, make sure you get your room blocks. Now, Uh, Joe, you have anything else you want to add before this over? No,
1: I just say, I look forward. I want everybody mm-hmm. at that event definitely attend. Uh, I would definitely say, come and seek me out like I said, in the hallways or at those in the evening events, uh, that's the value there guys is that uh, women and ladies, not just guys, ladies and gentlemen, right? Uh, and there are so many powerful women that are gonna be there too. yeah, uh, you know, bring your wife if you're if she's in the business, bring any uh, people who are. Uh, a lot of times the women don't get the credit. And I think this is something they can see what somebody who's powerful looks like in this business uh, as and their gender. So the stereotype isn't just that they're assistants, that they're leaders. And I want everybody to see that. So I look forward, I'm excited about it. And I definitely recommend
0: everybody attend. Well, Joe, thank you for joining us on the Service Rocket Podcast. It's been a pleasure, man. It's good to see you in person. I can't wait to see you in October. Joe, pleasure, man. Thank My you. pleasure. Have a great one, buddy. You guys have a good rest of your day. We'll see you on episode four next week. If you thought today's episode was great, wait till next week. I'm bringing on Mr. Home Service Millionaire himself, Tommy Mello. We're going to cover how do you scale your business quickly and stay profitable at the same damn time. Can't wait to have Tommy in the hot seat. Y'all have a good rest of your week. God bless America.